Okay, so we actually um, even t- knocked off a tiny trunk yesterday, finishing off the story about the Chassid Echad who refused to interrupt the Shemun Esrei in front of the king. So we had the two dots, good uh, eight, nine lines down. Mishnah said, Even if there is a snake that wraps around a person's heel in the middle of Shemun Esrei, they're not allowed to interrupt. So we said a king... Now I'll interrupt. We clarified that means a Jewish king, and now we're learning even a snake. So the Gemara says, This is only true for a snake. I've always seen is scorpion. I don't know how accurate that is, but some sort of thing that bites a lot. So the Akra is considered definitely life threatening. So because it's life threatening, uh, then a person should be posik. So it's only the Nachash. Now it's a very interesting thing because I think we all struggle with this. Like, I don't know, I'm very scared of snakes. I've never been around snakes. It's like, who's not going to be Mafsik? So, in fact, you take a look at the Lush and Rambam, took a look last night, and what the Rambam says, most of the time, snakes don't bite. So then I say, Caleb ask on the Rambam, they say, what is the Gemara and you must say? What does that mean, most of the times don't bite? Whenever there's even a, a slightest trace of doubt, right? you're always, you're always doha. So is there some new sort of din when that's right not? Maybe you'll say, no, the Rambam could have meant it. Back and forth. They say, oh, it only depends how you see the snake coming, if he's, if he's calm, if he's been agitated. It's a very difficult thing to understand, but uh, that is the Lashon Rambam. At any rate, so the, the Mishnah definitely would agree for Akrav, you should be posik. Says the Gemara, We're talking about a woman, in Iguna, a need testimony that her husband died. So if someone testified that her husband fell into a pit of lions, that doesn't help us because a person can fall into a pit of lions and lions just, if they're simply not hungry, if they've eaten, they won't. They won't eat. They won't attack. But if we say that, that it fell into a, um, a pit of snakes or scorpions, then that's, that's sufficient testimony to allow to get remarried. So what are we saying? We see that falling into a pit of snakes definitely guarantees death. That's what it says. All the person saw, that the eight saw, is that he fell in, he didn't see him die, and yet that's considered enough testimony that will let the woman get remarried. So clearly we see snakes usually bite. So the Gemara says, no, shining awesome is different. There it's like, you know, it gets, it gets a little crowded in the pit. When, when the person's falling into their space and the snakes are creeping crawling around in there so they feel intruded upon or, what, what, or whatnot, so then they will attack. However, in a regular situation, out in the open, if a snake wraps around the person's heel, it does not necessarily mean that it will bite. Says the Gemara, Someone who sees an ox, he should stop from an asri. Meaning the Gemara is saying that an ox should really, um, should totally stop. How far should you distance yourself from a shartam? 50 amos. You should, if you even see it, you should, you should run away. Let's say you see, even if the head of the ox is busy eating, it's busy eating, it's in the basket, you should run up to the roof on the ladder that you use to get up to the roof, you should remove once you get to the top. So that's an expression. So I make an expression. Obviously, the, the ox isn't going to climb up the ladder. But the point is, you distance yourself completely, completely from an ox. Um, we qualify. This is only a black ox. And in the early spring, the sultan dances in front, of its, uh, in front of its horns. The idea is that it gets very, I don't know, enticed or excited by all the new greens um, that are there in the... In the um, in the, in front of, in the early spring, and the black ox is just for some reason that's its nature. It seems to get uh, very prone to to, destru- to destruction to hurt people. Now, what's so interesting about this is that we, it says you distance yourself from a shartam. A shartam, and you learn Babakama, The whole point of a shartam is that it doesn't usually gore. That's why it pays half damages, right? And yet here in the Gemara, it's like so normal for it to gore. So Rashi actually says it's tam. Rashi says three brilliant words. It never gored a person. 
So meaning we don't mean it's a town that hasn't gored and even other oxen had it gored and hadn't gored other oxen in a chanami. You wouldn't be you wouldn't be concerned with gore at all. That's the concept of Baba Kama that oxen don't usually gore. But when it's known to have gored other oxen, even though it's tam in the sense it hasn't yet gored people, but then we say to people, watch out if it's this black ox in the early spring. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of scary things that can happen, and that's what the if there's such a thing where a person were to see such an ox during Hishmon Asrei, he should definitely be posik. Now, just to mention, there's a very good machlekes rishonim. When we say here posik, what you know, we already said the mission gave example one. You're posik when a king greets you, right? When a king greets you, you're not posik. So that would be posik in terms of speech, right? Well, what is posik here in terms of in terms of uh, the snake? So some rishonim say it means you know calling for help, you know something like that. While other rishonim understand that it means movement. And they're trying to like shake off the snake or run away or something like that. And they say they derive from here, it must be that ordinarily you're not allowed to move in the middle of Shmon Asrei. Which, I mean, that's something that's so intuitive to us that we don't move in the middle of Shmon Asrei. But the truth is that other people don't disagree. They say, because that din, there's no din, lo yafsik, that you're not allowed to move. And when the Mishnah was saying lo yafsik here, it means that you can't call for help. But if you want to just move because, because you'll be able to get out of the way, that is okay. So it's a very interesting machlokas. There's great ramifications, la a lot of things we, we are lenient about during movement, things that we wouldn't. It's been so obvious to us that you're allowed to be masik, you know, you can move if it helps you for kavana, you can move if you need a sitter. Some of these things that aren't so, you know, basic to us, but they actually are true, come from the way that we showed and talk here in our sugya. Say the story in one place, Shahaya Arud. So I don't know exactly know what an Arud is. Rashi seems to say it's a cross between the, the uh, some sort of rodent and another snake. So I, I, I'm a snake, so I don't know exactly what, what it is in English, but some something that bites and is very dangerous. It was running around hurting people. They informed Rav Hanina Mendoza about it. He was a huge savage of Mendoza. So Mendoza. Show me where it's, it's, it's whole. Where does it live? They showed him where it's whole. He simply pasted his heel on top of the hole. So it obviously comes out and bites. But when a bit of Mendoza and several of Hanina Mendoza dying, this uh, died. He grabs it on his shoulders. He brings it into the base manager. It's not the Arad that kills. It's all sin. If you're totally righteous, then instead of you dying when the Arad bites, the Arad would die. Woe to a person who encounters the Arad. But woe to the Arad that meets Rav Khanin Mendoza, who has such great sitkas that he's able even to kill them. Okay, says the Mishnah. And this Mishnah should look very familiar to us because on Shabbos' block, we probably quoted it about three, four times. Where do we mention Mashiva Ruach Hashem? We mention it in the Bracha of Tachias Hamesim, the second Bracha of Shmona Asrei. Where do we ask for rain? We sing Talim Matar, Beverkas Hashanim, in Bracha Beverkas Hashanim, Barachalino. Where do we say Atachon Atanim on Matzah Shabbos? Bechonin Hadas, in the Bracha of Atachonin. That's the first opinion, Tanakama's opinion. Rabbi Akiva Omar Omar Bracha refused with the answer. No, it's not inserted into any bracha. Rabbi Akiva's position is that Atachon Atanu is a fourth bracha said all by itself before Atachoni. And then the last opinion, Rabbi Lazar Omar Behodah. Rabbi Lazar says that it's inserted within the middle of Modim, like where Alanisim would go. That's where you would say Atachon Atanu. It's more of a prayer of thinks, according to Rabbi Elazar. So we have three opinions. Either inserted Atachon it's a fourth bracha by itself before you start Atachon or it's inserted within the bracha of Modim. So the Gemara analyzes it. Why is the reason that we mention Gurus Hashem in the bracha of Tchis Amazim? Amar of Yosef, because it is equal to the restoration of life in Tchis Amazim. Why? What does the Gemara mean that rain is equal to Tchis Amazim? Well, it means that both give life. 
That's the point. They're both a sense of life. So Tchiyas Amazement is the resurrection of the dead. That's literal giving of life. And rain provides sustenance, but it gives us life in this world. So they're both related to life. So it's put in the bracha that's about life. Because rain is also parnasa. It's a basic sense of livelihood, right? When they used to be, everyone was a farmer. So if it rained, you made money that year. So that's why it's in the bracha that happens for parnasa. Havdala v'chonin hadas, my time. And what's the reason Havdala is in chonin hadas? Amar Yosi mitoshi chachma because it is about wisdom. Kavu because chachma it's about the bracha of wisdom. So this is a very big theme. The Gemara doesn't say it here, but the other places the Gemara quips as follows: If ain chachma, havdala minayim. If there's no wisdom, how are you going to separate? And that's a theme of distinction to separate between A and B. The koach habechina to say A is not like B. The distinction, the power to distinguish between two things comes from chachma. So to have the ben kodesh lachol. It makes sense that it's in the bracha of Chachma. Much simpler reason. You're, you're, you're talking about Abdullah, the fact that now it's not Shabbos. So the first bracha, that's the weekday Shemona Esrei, is the fourth bracha, Abatachon. And that's when the text goes back to being the weekday Shemona Esrei. So in the middle of that bracha, it makes sense to make Abdullah. Says the Gemara, You see the greatness of wisdom. Wisdom is like, you know, the most paramount of all brachas. And the re- you see that from the fact that it's the first request that we ask from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the number one request that we have is Deya. Deya is great because we see that it is placed between two names of Hashem. As it says in the Pasuk, So it says there, Kel and then Deos and then Hashem. So it's sandwiched between Kel and Hashem is the word Deya. So we see it's great because it's written between two names of Hashem. Anyone who doesn't have love, it's forbidden to have mercy. I want to explain that the Gemara and the Gemara is that even though normally we have to give tzedakah, but if you see a person spends the money um, without any daya, without an irresponsible, thought-out way, then it's forbidden actually to have mercy on him. There's no reason to have mercy because the nation does not have bina. Says the Gemara, Amar Belazar, Gadol Mikdash and Asim Once we mentioned that day is great because it has two names, sandwiched between two names of Hashem. So we say the base of Mikdash is also like that. We say in Azi Asher Shinamar, Pa'alta Hashem, Mikdash Hashem. So we see that between two names of Hashem is Mikdash. Hashem is right there between the two names. Mikdash is there between the two names. So now we make a correlation. Any person who, who uses wisdom, it's as if the base of Mikdash was rebuilt in his time. Why? Because Deya Nitna Osios because both Deya and Mikdash are two themes that are given between the two names of Hashem. So the correlation between them is that with Das, it's as if the base of Mikdash is rebuilt for you. Deya restores a sense of Mikdash in one's mind. So the Gemara says, Maskaflaravacha if that's true, so maybe we should say that the God's vengeance is great. It's great because it's written between two names of Hashem and today, right? And today's Hashem. So we see that Nikamos, that God's vengeance, is placed between Kel and Hashem. So if we're saying Deya and Mikdash are great because of that theme, so we should say that vengeance is also great. Is vengeance a great thing? So Amrle in, yes, vengeance is great. Vengeance in its own place is great. In what sense? Behind it says So what are the two things? What are the what are, what are the two the two types of nakama? One is positive and one is negative. So this is very interesting that, that this goes back, it's really a Gemara in Babakama. That when the Hofiyami Aharparan is the Pasak in Vizosa Bracha, 
when Hashem went around to the nations of the world and he asked them, do you want the Torah? They all refused. Now, they all refused because they didn't want to keep the Torah, right? But if you look in the Gemara, it's not that they didn't want to keep the Torah. It's more than that. They didn't want to keep something that was in the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach that they were already really commanded to do. So whether it was murder, whether it was not to steal, whether it was adultery, it was something within the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach. So the Gemara in Baba Kama says that at that time, Hashem said, you guys can't even keep the Sheva Mitzvah B'nai Noach. So when the Halacha became that when a shar of a Jew gores a shar of a non-Jew, he's potter from paying. And when a shar of a guy gores a shar of a Jew, what's the din? He has to pay full, full hezek. So the Jews gained monetarily, but the Lashon of Gemara is that Hashem came in, he was mafkir the moment of Goyim. He, made, he treats it as if it should all really go to the Jews. And it's, it sounds like an amazing concept that it all came from the vengeance of God. It was the punishment upon them. But Hashem's vengeance ends up benefiting and profiting the Jews. So now we look at that and it comes as Latova for the Jews. So that's the idea of the Ra, that, you know, that's just the sign of punishment. So for vengeance in its own right can come out a powerful tool in the way the Jews benefited um, in the laws now of Baba Kama from it. So it ends up in the Gemara that these are the three things where it says between Hashem's name, they are Mikdash and Nekama, and all of them have a sign of greatness from the fact that they're placed between the names of Hashem. Okay, now we're going to analyze. We had other opinions, right? Rabbi Akiva said, you said make Havdalah as its own bracha by itself. Rabbi Lazar says in Modim, and the Tanakama said it's inserted at the Atachonin. So Amr Lei, Rav Shaman, Rabbi Rabbi Yochanan, Michti. How did we develop such a machlokas? Michti, all brachos, tefillah, havdalah, everything that we have, the nusach, the text that we have, comes from the Anshik and in the beginning of the second base of Mikdash. Next day, I mean, it wasn't like so long. You would think that they were in the beginning of the second base of Mikdash. Jews got in the practice of saying these things. And uh, we should have some recent memory about the way it was done. How did these machloks and tanoam develop? So the Gemara explains like this. It used to be that Havdalah was not a service that was done a la kos with a cup of wine. It was just simply That's all it was. There was no Havdalah that was instituted on a cup of wine. But then the Jews got richer. So so what happened was they said, you know what? Let's forget about making Havdalah in Davening. Why make Havdalah in Davening? Let's just make it al hakos. Make it on the cup of wine. So during that time, since they were not in the practice of saying Abdullah in davening, the practice of where they said it was forgotten. But then what happened was, they became impoverished again. Then they said as follows, let's put it back into davening. Okay, so we went back into davening, but now it developed all these opinions about where to place it in davening because it had been forgotten. The Imam rule, but now this time when they put it in davening, the rabbis also said as follows, that when someone is if they have the means to have wine and they have a cup of wine, they should also make Abdullah So it's very weird halacha, right? You see that initially it was just supposed to be one or the other. It was really ideally supposed to be tefillah. Then it became, then it was, it was supposed to be tefillah because they were poor, okay? That's all they had, so they did Abdullah. Then they got rich, they said, you know what, so why are we doing it in tefillah? Let's do it over a cup of wine. Forget about tefillah. Then they got poor, they're sticking it back in tefillah. That becomes the ichor now, is to put it back in tefillah. But they say, hey, if you also have a cup of wine, then do it over a cup of wine also. So now we have all these machlokis that broke out. Where are we supposed to put it in tefillah again? Where did the Ajik Nazagdullah say? They didn't remember because there was a break in the action during the time when they were rich when Chazal said only do it a la kos. So when they bent back to now and saying it to do it a la tefillah, they didn't remember. So the halacha that we have and we'll see as the Gemara developed today to do both is a bit of an unnatural halacha. It's unnatural in the sense that it evolved into the way, the practice that we have today. But that's not, wasn't the core of the halacha originally. So women would have had it um, What? Women would have had it um, Ah, yeah, 
That's, a, that's what it seems like. At the time when it was only a bitfilah, then it would seem like a woman would have to pray. If, if according to opinions, they have to make Abdallah. But that's his point. In other words, women, are, if they're obligated in Abdallah, then you would think that they would have to pray. Okay. So, so the Gemara now says, Now the Gemara launches into this discussion. Is this really true? If you say, Do you have to make Abdallah later? And the Gemara is saying you do. We can ask whether or not this is true. It says as follows. Person forgot to say Someone forgot to say the same Talmatar Machazirin or so. They have to repeat the Shmona Asra. Someone who forgot to say Atakaranthanu. You don't have to repeat. Why? Because a person is able to recite it on the cup of wine. So what does it sound like? What does that language indicate? You're not obligated to say it over a cup of wine. You are able to say it over a cup of wine. So we're saying that even if you make Abdullah during davening, you have to say Abdullah because this price, it seems like it's a possibility, but not an obligation. So the Gemara says, no, you have to change the gears. Don't read the price because you are able. Ela'im, or rather read it. Because you must say it over the cup. So that we amend the brisa to, to say what we're saying, that even if you make Havdalah during davening, you do certainly have to make Havdalah afterwards as well. What is the law? If you make Havdalah in Tefillah, do you have to make it Alakos or not? He got the same response that you do. Says the Gemara, what about the opposite way? Let's say a person hadn't Davin Mayrav yet, and they already made Avdallah la coast. Now they're going to Davin Mayrav. Is there a need to say Atachanatanu? We've said the inverse that when you said Atachanatanu, Davin, there's still a need to be Avdallah la coast. But what about the opposite? If you've already done Avdallah la coast, is there a need to say Atachanatanu in Mayrav? We can say a sense of logic that certainly there is from Tfila. Where is the main, most important place to say Avdallah? There's two Avdallahs. Havdalah and davening, and Havdalah Kos. Which one is the Iker? So the Gemara says, Tfilah is the Iker. So if Ma Tfilah, where's the Iker, Takana, they still said, even though you've done the Iker, you still need to do the not as important one afterwards, Allah Kos. So I'm Havdalah Kos. If you just did the Malah Kos, the Lavet Takana, that's not really the Iker, Takana, Lokos again, all the more certain that you need to say, when you daven. Now, at first glance, this Gemara is very puzzling. Why is the Gemara assuming that Atalchanatanu is the Iker Tfilah? Why is that the Iker? If you follow the history, really what happened was, originally people were poor, so they just said do Tfilah. They got rich, what happened? The second people got rich, what did Chazal say? Don't do it Allah Tfilah, do it Allah Kos. So it really sounds like from the Gemara that all things considered, if people have wine, then it's better to do it Allah Kos. So why is the Gemara saying the Iker Takana is Tfilah? Must be, the Rabbi Shonim speak out, that in the next stage, when people became impoverished again and they went back and said, do it a la tefillah, but if you're rich, also do it a la kos, they changed which one is the ikr. In other words, originally, it's true. The original, original inception from the inception, really the most important thing was a la kos. But when they saw people got impoverished after they had gotten richer and they went back and said to do it a la tefillah, but just if you're rich, do it a la kos, the change, there was a change in the takana. Chazal said, like, basically, we can't keep on, you know, flopping back and forth. You should do Alakos, you shouldn't do it. So because we see that Jews just keep on getting poor and rich, it goes back and forth, just do it Alat Tfilah. That was the gather now. So at stage three, when they went back to Tfilah, Tfilah becomes the acre. Oh, if you have money and you have a cup of wine, do it on a cup of wine also. 
But the Iker now became Tefillah on stage three. So now the Kabbalah Homer makes sense. Ma, that you said it. In the Iker, in Tefillah, you do still do it a la cause. So certainly, if you just did it a la cause, then you should still do it in Tefillah. Oh, so very good. So Mar Mamash Machabin the next line of Gemara. The Gemara says, Tani Rav Acha Aricha Kamei Rav Chinunah Hamavdu Vatfila Mishuach Mirsi Yishav Dalakos. The Gemara says like this: Someone who does Tfila is is, is someone who's Mavdu on Tfila is more praised than the one who's Mavdu Alakos. If he Mavdu Bazu Bazu, but if he does both, Yenuchul Brachos Arosha, he's doing both. He gets tons of Brachos on his head. So the Gemara says, Well, what's going on? How Gufa Kasha? There's an intrinsic contradiction. First, you tell me doing it in tefillah is better than doing it in tefillah. You see it's sufficient to just do it in tefillah. Like you've done, you've done Abdullah. You're getting, you know, prachos on your head. Obviously, you've been yotze. For other tani, but then you tell me that if you do both, you get tons. How, how is that possible? Once you have made the Havdalah in one, if there, you have exempted yourself from your obligation. Once you've exempted yourself, then the Havdalah that you're going to make over the coast is an unnecessary bracha. Anyone who recites a bracha that's unnecessary, over Mishum Losisa. They're over on the lava in the Torah of Losisa Shem Hashem El Hashem says, don't say my name in vain. So saying a bracha that's unnecessary, saying Hashem's name in vain. Now, the overwhelming majority of Rishonim hold that this is only an Asmachta. Saying Hashem's name in vain is really just saying it in the, in the context like of a Shavua Shav. Like I make a shvua with Hashem's name for nothing. But if I make a bracha, even if I didn't need to make a bracha, that's not saying Hashem's name in vain. I blessed Hashem. How is that in vain? So it's probably only a Durabana. The Rambam's opinion is that it is Daraisa. But either way, it's forbidden. So the Gemara is saying is that if it's forbidden to make an unnecessary bracha, well, and you could be Yotze with the Havdalah that you say in your tefillah, and why are you saying you get tons of brachas if you do both? <laughs> why? So the Gemara quickly says, you're right. You get brachas if you don't do both. So the Gemara is actually saying that this opinion disagrees with the previous what we've learned. We learned before that you should do both. This opinion disagrees. He says, no, you get tons of brachos if you don't do both. Because once you've done one, then it's a brachal of Atallah to go ahead and say Havdallah alakos, which is exactly what Michael was saying. So the question is, what's the pshat in the first opinion? How does he disagree with this? So we have to still wait and see in the Gemara a better perspective for why you should do both. And it's not, in fact, a brachal of Atallah. So the Gemara says, so at this point where we are, it's a dispute. There's one opinion that if you do Allah Tfila, we learn you should do again say it Allah Kos. And the second opinion is saying, no, actually you get more brachos if you don't, because of the fact you'd be a brachal So now the Gemara says, What about if you miss both? Now what does it mean you miss both? So the Rajba learns Pshat and the Gemara like this. You did as follows. You you forgot to say Atachanatan. Okay. Do you repeat? No. Why? Because you're gonna say it Allah Kos. But then you eat or you do malacha. Before you do Havdalah, which is forbidden. When we say Malachah, doesn't mean Malachah, that's also on Shabbos. But you do a time-consuming activity, or you go eat, which are both forbidden. So now, you, the question of the Gemara has, shoot, do I have to repeat Shemona Esrei? I've already nullified the Iker Din of when to make Havdalah. So now that I'm going to go make Havdalah, I'm doing it in the wrong way. I've already eaten or started a time-consuming activity. So maybe at this point, now it warrants me to repeat my Shemona Esrei. The only reason why I don't repeat my Shemona Esrei is because here I've messed up my good way of doing it Allah Kos. So maybe now I go back to Tefillah and the Gemara says that is the Halacha. You do have to go back and say Halacha says we're lenient on other ways of learning the Gemara. We don't do that. But according to the strict din in Shulchan Aruch, this is Mamash Halacha A person who forgot Halacha Natanu in Davni and ate before Abdullah, Chazal say you got to Davni again. It's a sense of a penalty then you just have to Davni again. 
Finally, the Gemara concludes, Can somebody tell us the halacha? We have all these different opinions here. If somebody made Avdallah during Davni, do they need to make Avdallah alakos or not? What is the bottom line? It should be treated like Kiddush. Ma Kiddush, Avagavi Makadish Bitslosa, Makadish Akasa. Just as when Kiddush, even though you said Kiddush during Davening, when do we say Kiddush during Davening? It's not during Shmon Esri, though. So the Gemara means the, that's what I think. One second. So when do we say Kiddush during Davening? The Gemara means what you say during Shmon Esri. The Gemara means because you say by Hulu in, and then you say the Bracha of Al Kayavosenu. The Gemara is calling that Kiddush. No. The Gemara, no, that's not what the Gemara means. The Gemara is saying Makadish Betzlosa means what we say during Shemona Esrei on Friday night, the Vayichulu and Elokeinu, which the Gemara is calling Kiddush during Davening. So even though the person has said that and Ben Yotze Kiddush, nonetheless, Makadish Akasa, you still make a cup, make Kiddush Alakos. Even though you said Atachonatonu during Davening, you have to have Abdallah Akasa. So let's take a step back. There's a huge machlokas harishonim, Kiddush on Friday night, which is Daraisa, whether or not you have to say Alakos. Is that a Din Daraisa or not? Seems to be, it's a dispute between Rambam and other Rishonim. If you, the Magan Avram says, our Gemara says, black on white, that you do not need a Kos. Black on white, to be Yotze the Mitzvah of Kiddush. The Gemara says, that if you say you daven Friday night, davening, you're Yotze Kiddush. The Gemara, black on white. So what's the Pshat? The Pshat is that you're this is what the Gemara is saying. You're Yoyt say the Dinda Araisa of Kiddush by saying the words that remember the Shabbos itself. So by Davening Friday night filler, you're Yoyt say the Kiddush Araisa. Why do you go home and make a Brach Alakos? Because Midrabbanan, they were Masakin, that it's not enough to do it Bitfila. Midrabbanan, there's a need to do it Alakos. So think about it. Every single Kiddush is in a sense a Brach Alavatala. It's Lavatala because you've already been Yoyt the Araisa. But Midrabbanan, they're saying, oh, you haven't done it good until you do it alakos. But that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes down. That's okay. You dive in a mire and you're Yotzeh the Daraisa, and then you haven't been Yotzeh on a Drabbanan level until you have a cup, so you do it. Says the Gemara. So that's a precedent to do the same thing for Avdallah. Say the Atafanantanu and you're Yotzeh the Daraisa, so to speak, and then you haven't done it alakos, you'll do it later. Now, the Magan of Ram, first of, first of all, says it doesn't make sense in the Ramah's opinion that Kiddush needs a cup. It's Kenegadim Gemara. That's first of all. But there's another point here. That's all good if, if Havdalah is also Daraisa. Because then you could follow the same precedent. Just like Kiddush. The words are Yotze, the Daraisa. But Midrabbanan, I still need to do it a la coast. And that's the explanation. It's not, it's not a Brach Havdalah. So to Havdalah, the words are Yotze, let's say the Daraisa. And then you need a cup, so you do the Darabbanan later. But wait a second. That's not so simple that that's true. Havdalah may be at its root only a Darabbanan. Many Rishonim disagree with the Ramam who says that Havdalah is Daraisa. So then it's still funny. So what did the rabbis tell me? Deborah, what's the mitzvah? To say the words and to do it alakos. Both? One? Both? Like, how does that work? So you're forced to say that for some strange reason in the Takan of Chazal, they said both. It's a two-step process. And that's why it's not, it's not a brachal of Atala. It answers the other opinion. The other perspective why it's not a brachal of Atala is that Chazal had both dinim. There are two things that Chazal regulated. To say the bracha and then to also say alakos. There's a fascinating thing that emerges from the institution of Abdullah. And it comes, if you think about it, just it, re- it requires a little bit of the history in the background to the way it went down. We see originally it wasn't that way. Originally, when they were rich, it was just alakos. They got poor again, and now we got this wacky takana. Do it in davening, but also do it later. So the gather was, the precedent is like it's like Kiddush. So it has to be Chazal, we're saying in a Hanam, you have both dinim. You have a din to be mavdil, but and a din to be mavdil al hakos, and that's the way the Gemara concludes um, lehalach. So it seems that Chazal only obligated, this is a Chiddush, that at the time when it became the two-step process, they only obligated the women to do the whatchamacallit, to do, to do alakos, exactly, which is, which is an interesting perspective.
very difficult thing. Okay. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Lazar Omer Bahotah, Rabbi Lazar says in Modem Rabbi Zerah Rachel Chamra, who is once riding. So Rabbi Shagal Lazar Rabbi Chiyah Rabbi Zerah Rabbi Chiyah Rabbi is riding behind him. Amalei, he says to him, Vazid Amis Mishit Rabbi Chalachal Rabbi Lazar Yantiv Shachal Yosakar Shabbos. If Yantiv follows Shabbos, so it's Matzei Shabbos. So Matzei Shabbos usually say, Hey, Avdolan Atachan Atanu. But now think about it, it's Yantiv. Matzei Shabbos is Yantiv, so there is no Atachan Atanu. So, so here, the halacha should certainly be like Rabbi Lazar that you should say it in Modim. Why? Because it's kind of like there's nowhere else to say it. There is no Atachan Atachonin. So I'm like, in. He said yes, but Allah on the cloud the pligi. But I mean, there's no one who's going to argue there. There's no other option. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? Below pligi, pligi Rabbanon. The Rabbanon disagree, right? The Rabbanon don't say you say it in Modim. So the Gemara says back, no, I meant like this. Aim with the pligi Rabbanon Shai Masashana. The Rabbanon can only disagree in the in a regular uh, in a regular Matzei Shabbos because a regular Matzei Shabbos there's Atachonim. But beyond the Shachos Achar Shabbos, where Yantiv is a Sunday, me pligi, the Rabbanon can't argue. There's nothing. There is no Atachonatan. There is no Atachonim. So the Gemara says, What about Rabbi Akiva's position, right? Remember Rabbi Akiva, you make it a bracha unto itself. So you make it its own bracha. So that you could do on a Matzei Shabbos, that's Yantiv. So the Gemara says, well, that's not an option. The whole year long. Do we like Rabbi Akiva's position that now when it's Matzei Shabbos, that's a Yantiv, we should follow him? What's the reason why the whole year we don't do like Rabbi Akiva? Because there's only supposed to be 18 brachas or Shmona Esrei. Not 19 brachas or Shmona Esrei. That's the reason that we, don't, we object to Rabbi Akiva. Not fundamentally, we don't want Abdullah to be its own bracha. But we object to the structure of the Shmona Esrei being changed. We don't want an extra bracha. So Hachanami, the same thing if it's Yantif. Yantif is supposed to have seven brachas in the Shmona Esrei, right? So Shev Tekken, Tamil Tekken is supposed to be the structure. should be seven, not eight. So we don't view Rabbi Akiva's opinion as a viable option in the halacha. So assuming there is no option to say a bracha by itself, and there's no atachonin to insert it in, so the only option you have is to say it in modim. So you're making like a whole big deal, like the halacha is like Rebbe Lazar. It's not like a halacha is like Rebbe Lazar. There is no other option. The Rabbanan here would agree the only option is to say it in modim. So he says, I'm love halacha itmar. By the way, no one said it's the halacha is like Rebbe Lazar and Yantav Shechal Yosachar Shabbos. Elamatin itmar. We lean towards the opinion of Rebbe Lazar. What does it mean to lean versus the halacha? The difference is whether you teach the halacha publicly. To, halacha means we teach publicly the halacha is like Rabbi Lazar. To lean means if an individual comes and asks us what to do, we tell him to say it in modem, but we don't teach it publicly. But the problem with understanding the Gemara is, what did we switch? What, what was bothering the Gemara is, saying the halacha is like Rabbi Lazar doesn't make sense because it implies that the Rabbana would disagree. In fact, the Rabbana don't disagree because it's the only option. So the Gemara says back, oh yeah, by the way, we never said the halachas like Rebbe Lazar. We just said if someone were to ask us, we would say the halachas like Rebbe Lazar. We wouldn't teach it publicly. And that makes it better. But still, it's not like Rebbe Lazar. The Rabbanon wouldn't disagree. If someone came over to you and said, where should I say, Habdallah, what would you say? So if it sounds like the Gemara, you would say, we lean towards Rebbe Lazar's opinion. Same question. Why are you leaning towards Rebbe Lazar? The Rabbanon would also agree you say it there. What's the difference whether it's the halacha Rebbe Lazar or matin like Rebbe Lazar? The problem is why are you individualizing Rebbe Lazar when the Rabbanon agree? So it's very unclear in Seder Hapshad here in the Gemara why saying matin versus halacha makes the issue better. The issue that we're struggling with is that on Yantar Shachalos Achar Shabbos we think even the Rabbanon agree to what Rebbe Lazar says. So we shouldn't use Rebbe Lazar's name. We should just say this is what you do. So when the Gemara now changes it from halacha rather to matin, we haven't really solved the problem in any way. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Yochanan Amar Modim, Rabbi Yochanan had the gears of Modim, meaning that the Rabbanan agree. It appears, like Nirin is like even a step down. Like it appears that we should do like Rabbi Lazar. All right. 
So the Gemara didn't really deal with that. It seems at this point, the only option really is to say it in Modim. Says the Gemara, you should, you know, we have all these different, you know, opinions here about what to say. Rechiyah is saying near him, right? That we just say it appears to do like Rabbi Lazar. So we should assume his opinion is right. Why? Because he was always very careful when he was learning to get the exact words of his Rebbe. He was like so medactic in the exact words. So if we have a dispute about what to do, follow him. Where do we see that? He was he was medactic in his shmaitzel the way Rachva of Pumpadisa was. Where do we see that Rachva was medayik in his teachings? Rachva said they review the harabai stuff, kafal hayavai stuff, liftim stuff, stuff where these like roofed benches and they used to have a bunch of roof benches, one inside of the other, inside of the azara, uh, one inside of the other. So the word was stuff. Now the reason we say he's medactic is because usually the word that the Mishnah uses when it talks about these things is itstaba. So where did the word stuff come from? So it must be it was an exact word that he heard from his rabbi and he didn't want to lose. That wasn't the usual word that the Amoram used. So because we saw someone like that, someone who was exact with his words, so we're comparing here of Bar Abba that he's also exact with his words. So precision with words now created that if someone by nature was more precise with his words, when there was a dispute about whether the halachas like Rebbe or Matin like Rebbe or Nirin Rebbe we're going to follow Rebbe opinion that it was near in Krebelazar because we find that he was always exact with his words. All right. But now the Gemara says that is actually not the halacha. Amar of Yosef, I don't know what anybody's talking about. All of this business of saying it in modem, not true. I know what Rav and Shmuel said. Rav and Shmuel in Bavel is, uh, were masakin a pearl. Now it's a fascinating thing because it's mashma that Rav and Shmuel in Bavel made a later institution, meaning until then, everybody from Israel was saying Havdalah and Matzei Shabbos, that was a Yontif in Modim. Like that's what the Gemara was laying down. Rav and Shmuel come up and they make a new institution of a law called Vatodi Enu, right in the middle. You say, and you say, you finish that paragraph, and then instead of saying you break this new paragraph called Vatodienu. You take a break in the action and you say the Gemara quotes it. And you finish that paragraph that is an essence of a combination of the themes between Avdallah and Yom Tov. And you say Vatitinlanu, then you go into the next paragraph that thank you, Hashem, for giving us Yom Tov. So Rav and Shmuel basically made a new issue. They made a new way of doing it. They just stuck a new text, a new insertion of Atodienu within Atavachartanu. And the brilliance of what they did is that the insertion blends the themes of Yomtev and Havdalah. So it makes a new way of saying Havdalah in Yomtev Shachalus Achar Shabbos within the bracha of Atavachartanu itself. And that is the halacha that we have. The halacha that we have is that we say Atodienu right in the middle of bracha of Atavachartanu and we do not say the Havdalah in Modim Period. Even on Yantiv um, that follows on Matzah <coughs> Okay, says the Mishnah. Somebody who says that Hashem's mercy should go on the birds. Right? People are basically trying to say, you know, it's like, you should have mercy, Hashem, just, be, just the same way that you've had mercy on the, on, on the bird by saying the mitzvah of Shiluach HaKain to send away the mother bird. Someone who says such a thing, what do we do to him? Or somebody who says that Hashem's name should be remembered for the good that he has done. Or someone who says modim modim, someone who says two modims. What's the law? We silence this person. It says, as if this person is saying blasphemous things, wrong things, all of those three things should be silenced. 
So the Gemara analyzes. Bishlam Mod Mod when I saw the last one, someone says Modim twice, we silence him. It appears like he's thinking two different gods. He says Modim twice, we can silence him. It gives the wrong appearance. Someone who says Hashem will be remembered for his good. It implies only for the good and not for the bad. Yet we learned in a Mishnah, a person is obligated to thank Hashem for the bad, the same way you think Hashem for the good. So if Hashem, someone says, thank Hashem for the good, that's bad. That's what he has to be silenced. We have to say we thank Hashem for everything. What's wrong with saying that Hashem's mercy should be on us the same way His mercy was on the mother bird? We don't like the fact that we're singling out the birds. He's and, and, and we don't want to make, create jealousy between the different handiworks of God. And therefore, we say that someone who says about the birds that it's the Rachmim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that's why we have a mitzvah of Shiloh HaKain, he should be silenced. There's a famous Rachlokas Arishonim on this Gemara about whether the real issue is something more. The real issue, what the Gemara is alluding to, is that Hashem Hashkacha is not, does not go on animals at all. It's all for people. And that's a, that's a big Machlokas Arishonim that they argue about what is the theology, whether there is Hashkacha Pratis on what happens to in the life of an animal or not, based upon this line in the Gemara. What exactly is the meaning of Mato Kina Bamaisa this is also a big controversial Gemara in Hashkafa. The Gemara says what's wrong about saying that is that you're making the Hashem's laws into values of Rachamim, and that's not Hashem's laws. Hashem's laws are laws, they're decrees, they're Xeris. So, what does the Gemara mean? So, there are some Rishonim who understand Hashem doesn't give reasons. Reasons are, are, we don't do mitzvahs because of reasons. We don't look into reasons. We don't care about reasons. We're supposed to associate with the law as a decree. Some Rishonim explain the Gemara differently. Some Rishonim explain that, of course, Shilach HaKain has a reason. And, of course, it's, a, it's meant to induce mercy. But not mercy in the bird. Mercy in us. It's not that Hashem cares that, about the mother bird not seeing it. Hashem wants us to do a merciful act and to care, therefore, about the birds. It's not about Hashem caring directly about the birds. It's about Hashem care, caring about us. And there, even a third approach, perhaps, but it's too difficult for me to, to say. I'm not so clear about it. But the bottom line is that this line in the Gemara is complicated, but there's something that's off about relating to the mitzvah of Shiluah HaKain as a mitzvah of Hashem's Rachman. By the way, everyone knows this one Zohar that everybody knows. There's a famous Zohar that says a different idea in the Gemara, that actually it's wrong it's in, in terms of the reason. Actually, a Shiluah HaKain is painful to the mother. And, it, and it's meant to induce pain. And it's meant to induce pain because it's ma'ayur rachamim and shamayim, the Zayar says. That when just when you do it in pain, he says, look, a mother is in pain for her children. Hashem, how are you not in rachamim for us? So the Zohar actually associates it as a cruel act. So maybe that's why it's silence, because the person is completely missing the boat in terms of the mitzvah of Shiloh HaKeh. It's so interesting because you get such a different takeaway in the mitzvah. Some Rishonim are telling you, of course it's about mercy, but not mercy for the bird, mercy for you. Some Rishonim are saying, you're not supposed to think about the reason at all. It's got nothing to do with reasons. Just do what God said. And other Rishonim are saying, no, actually you're supposed to do it because it's cruel. That's the point. Says the Gemara, there was someone who went in front of Rabbi of Amar, he said to Davin, you had mercy on the mother, mother, mother bird, so too you should have mercy on us. So Rabbi heard, he said, wow, what a beautiful Davin, what a beautiful thing to say. Didn't we learn in the Mishnah that you get silenced if you do that? So the Gemara says a very interesting thing, which is found in a few places in Shas. He was just trying to test Abai. 
In other words, of course, Rabbah knew the Mishnah, that the guy was supposed to be silenced. But he was testing Abai to see if he remembered the Mishnah to sharpen him, to test him. And that's why he said that it was a beautiful tefillah. Says the Gemara, a similar story. Someone in front of Amar. The Chazan said, instead of just saying, that's where we stop when you describe Hashem's name. He added many other phrases for Hashem. All sorts of other praises for Hashem. So him to not to see him, he, fought, he waited for him until he finally finished. He see him when he finished. You finished it all yet? Did you finish praising Hashem? What are you doing praising Hashem so much? If are these three that we say, we say, those things, he loved Amrino Moshe Rabbeinu Baraisa. It's not for the fact that Moshe described Hashem as being God of then came and were masakin in tefillah to say those three things. We would not have been able to say those three. Like, we don't know what to say. So we say whatever was taught to us by Moshe and then by the rabbis. And you just keep it on going like you know what to do to say. It's like a brazen sense of arrogance, like praising God with as many things as you'd like. We can compare this to a king of flesh and blood. He had tons and tons of riches. They praised him that he had a little bit of silver. Like it's embarrassing. It's degrading. So too with Hashem. Hashem has endless riches. Hashem has endless things to praise. It's better not to say too much because the second you say too much actually is degrading to Hashem. What are you doing? That's what Hashem is. Hashem is so much more. Say if you just say what Moshe said and what the Nachim legislated as part of Tefillah. So that it makes sense to say. But to jump into all sorts of other praises for Hashem and think that you got it now doesn't make sense. It's obviously only a partial sense of, of thinking Hashem. So leave it. Dot, dot, dot. It's meant to be left as a dot, dot, dot. Says the Gemara, This is just because it's the same name, not really related. Everything is in the hands of heaven, meaning Hashem controls everything, everything, except for our Bechira, for the choices that we make, whether we want to fear God. That's left to us. What does Hashem ask from you? Just to fear Hashem. So the one thing Hashem asks from us is to fear. So now the Gemara, so okay, so we say everything is in the hands of Shemaim except for Yer Shemaim. So now the Gemara says, though, another question. Is it a small thing? Like the Gemara is saying, like, like the only thing you're asking for is Yerushalayim. Like as if it's no big deal. Is it no big deal? So the Like the most treasured thing to Hashem is Yerushalayim. He's a special treasure house of Yerushalayim. The Yer of Hashem is his, is his storehouse. It's a very special thing. So obviously it's not some small little thing. So what do we mean? Like all Hashem asks is Yerushalayim. So the Gemara says in For Moshe, it's not a big deal. Sometimes they can, a person can be asked of a big kli, but he has it. So it's not a big deal. If someone says, do you have a, something really big? But if you have it in your possession, then it's not a big deal to, to lend it to him. But when someone asks you for something small, but you don't have it, then it's, then it's like a big thing. If you don't have it, you don't have it. So so too here. For Moshe Rabbeinu, Yer Shemayim was not a big deal. Why wasn't it a big deal? Not because Yer Shemayim isn't a big deal. Yer Shemayim is very big. It's huge. But if you got it, you got it. It's not a big deal. So when Moshe was talking, he was saying, as if it's no big deal. Because for Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu had Yer Shemayim. 
Says the Gemara, modem, modem, so we say if you say modem twice, you get silence. Amar Abzera. Anyone who says Shema, Shema, meaning they repeat the words of Shema twice, they get silence. Because for the same reason, it appears as if they're saying Shema to two different gods. So that's considered improper. So the Gemara says, Meisve, is that true? Saying the words of Shema, repeating them, one gets silence. Hakari Shema Vakopal, someone who repeats the words of Shema, Hariza Maguna. It's like not a nice way of saying Shema. So we can infer Maguna Huduhave. It's, it's not nice. But Shesugal Mashaskinale, we don't go over and silence the person and say you're saying it in a blasphemous way. So is it blasphemous to repeat the words of Shema, or is it just not a nice way of saying it? Which one is it? So the Gemara says, Lo kasha. It depends if you go over each word or if you go over Pasuk by Pasuk. Now, which way? Which way, is, which way is blasphemous and which way is just not nice? So it's Machlokas Rishonim. But Rashi learns like this. If you just repeat the words, so it's not nice, but we don't silence you. Because it doesn't appear that you're saying it to two different gods. It appears you're just repeating word after word. However, if you say one full Pasuk and then you say the whole Pasuk again, it's like, okay, that was for that God. Now this is for another God. That's the case where you get silenced. So the Gemara says, Why are we so harsh on the guy who repeats Shema? Maybe he just didn't have Kavana the first time he was saying it. And now he needs to have Kavana, so he's saying it again. He's not like, you know, he's trying to say it to do different gods or not nice. Why are we so critical of this way of saying Shema? Is there such a thing as being like friendly with God? Meaning friendly with God in the sense there's no casual. There's no sense of being casual with God. Someone doesn't have kavana originally. You whack him over the head with some sort of uh, implement. What is, what is the translation? Until he has kavana, like a smith's hammer. Smith's hammer. Good. Make him that's the thing. Make him have kavana. Meaning the Mar is saying there's, it's not a casual thing. You say he didn't have kavana. Now he's got kavana. You knock him over the head until he has kavana. So that's why there's no sense of excuse for that. And if someone is saying Shema twice, it must be that it appears something is wrong with this person. They don't believe in two different gods. Oh, wow. See,